circumstances are in our life, God is good. Amen. He's always good.
All right, the acoustics are so good in here, I'm sure you all heard that anyway. Uh, uh, Ken and Carolyn, uh, they were watching their grandson for the day, and uh, as the day wore on, sometime later in the afternoon, the grandson came to Pastor Ken, and he, he was concerned about Grandma. He said, said, she really thinks God talks to her, and he was really concerned, and so... I just want to go on record today. I'm crazy like that too. I just believe that we can hear from the Lord and God speaks to us. So I was thinking about how to introduce our our speaker today, our our friend, uh, Bill Snyder. I I thought about uh, sharing his bio with you, and it's very impressive. um, But I I thought I would go this route instead. Uh, Probably it's been about two months ago. I met with one of our pastors in Oklahoma, and I was sharing with him at that time, uh, Brother Dameron was still serving here, but he'd already shared with me his intent, and I said, you know, we have a, a, a good, solid church in Kansas City that needs a good pastor, and uh, I'm praying, and, you know, uh, I, I don't know what the Lord might have or what he might do, but I just know that, that he still has everything under control, and this is his church. And he said, uh, he said, uh, I have a friend in Kansas City. He said, I don't know that there's any interest in his life in pastoring. He has served in so many roles. And he said, but I'll certainly help you pray about it. And so this, this has gone on for a while. And, and um, Bill and Wendy happened to be visiting with Pastor Winston here a few weeks ago and shared with them. And, uh, and so he, uh, Winston then shared Bill's number with me. And I reached out to Bill and Wendy. And we met at a Panera over in Lee Summit a couple of weeks ago, and I just felt something so kindred about our spirits and, and our desire uh, to want to bless the, the kingdom of God. Uh, I, I certainly am aware that we're in different times in this world, and there is an alignment that is going on, and there needs to be a necessary alignment in the kingdom of God bringing us together for a time like this. And so I'm so thankful that uh, Bill and Wendy are a couple also that listens to the Lord and hears his voice and wants to come and be a blessing to us here today. So, uh, church, would you join me in welcoming uh, to the stage uh, Pastor Bill Snyder. Wendy, are you joining him up here? (laughs) Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Good morning. So uh, this morning was, uh, you know, you get a little... we used to travel and recruit campus pastors. So from one church of 1,500 to a church of 15. So size and difference. It's just thank you, uh, you know, you guys, George, and uh, you guys, some of you guys, Joe, for making us feel welcome. Glenda, thank you. Because sometimes you'll come in and, you know, churches are like, we're glad you're here, but we're glad you're leaving. You know, they're just one of those, you know, you said your word, you got your offering, you know. Uh, so um, this morning, I went and got a coffee like I normally do at Panera. Uh, it's my morning sanctuary. Me, the guys weren't there. Usually it's the Monday through Friday crew, but I go in and it's very sparse. Got coffee and came home and I said, we got to go. Wendy's ready. And so we got to get gas because we were in Oklahoma State University last night at a game. And we drove home last night from Stillwater and uh, beat, beat the storm. Yeah, we beat the storm. We went around. You know, sometimes you, God calls you to go through, and sometimes you've got to go around. So uh, wisdom said, don't go through Wichita. Anyway, we called our brother-in-law, and he said they had six inches of snow, so that was wisdom. Uh, so uh, wisdom spoke, and I listened. Let that be a lesson to all of us here. Um, so we're getting, I'm, I'm going to get just one of these candy bars to get me through this morning. Um, And then Wendy goes into the quick trip and we come out and I come out and she goes to the car and she's still got the hose attached and I'm going, didn't you get gas already? So she goes to get in the car and I step over the hose and get in the car and there's a baby in the back and I'm going, when did this happen? My grandkids, I saw enough of them yesterday. You know, I, I love my five granddaughters, but man, that's a lot of gal to run around. Believe me, from nine months to 11 years old, brother, pray for us. Uh, 
So we get in a car, and this guy steps around and goes, what are y'all doing? And Wendy had got in the wrong car. And, <laughs> and I, went, I, I just thought, that would have been great. We'll pull up with the police arresting us for abduction and, and, and stealing car. That's the way to start out at a church. Anyway, um, I was <laughs> that would have been great. That's a way to get your church in the news anyway. You want guests, that's a good way. I don't know what kind of guests you'll get, but your guest list will increase. Um, Exodus, the third chapter. You know what was great? What was the lady's name that did Sunday school? Good job. Oh, this is, George, this is your gal. Okay, you're stepping pretty close if it's not. That's all I got to say. It's a pretty pretty good first date. Um, So um, you did a good job. Because a lot of people march through the word, and I've heard Sunday school classes, and I wanted to go, please, get someone else to do this. You did a good job. Thank you. And you confirmed my message about three times. No, it's really good. That isn't the only reason you taught. A lot of speakers think they just exist for him. Thanks, you know, but it was really a good word. Thank you. Talked about healing, prayer request. Talked about salvation of family. Mm, It's really good. Thank you. Uh, in Exodus 3, I remember my first Thanksgiving. It's 11.05 if you're looking. We won't be here till 1. It, it'd be a dove on my shoulder if we're here till 1. Believe me, okay? Um, so my first Thanksgiving, I'll go back to a day like this in November. My mother had a, a terminal illness. My father, a career alcoholic. Uh, lived in a family of abuse my whole life. Um, it was snowing that day. We woke up to about five inches. That's why I remember the day. It's kind of like this waking up. That's what reminded me of it. And you were talking about testimonies, you know, and how we came to faith. And I, I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget my bridge where God's grace walked to me and I walked to him. I don't want to forget that. Sometimes we need to be remembered that there was a day when there was no one. You will see that in scripture again and again. There is a point of conversion in scripture where people were really converted and came to know Jesus. Um, Nobody's grandfathered in. You know that statement. We have our own experience. So I remember I looked out the window and my dad said, we got to go. So we lived in a small coal mining village and we drove to Yorkville, Ohio. You, You can find it on the map, but barely. Anyway, so we drove over the hill, snow, And I remember my mom was in one of her terminal states. She was just sick that day. And I remember my dad looking at me saying, if I had to go through this one more year, I'd commit suicide. I was 12 years old. I went, what? I'd never heard him speak like that. Strong construction worker owns his company. Man's man. You know. I went home. I'd never. The only prayer we prayed was, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord so we keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord. So that's what I knew. There was no Christ in my life, okay? There was no recognition. So I remember looking out the window, and I did this this morning. I looked out the window and saw the snow, and I remember that day. I said, now I lay me down to sleep. And I prayed that prayer at the end of it. I said, God help my dad. That April, I discovered Jesus. That May... My mother discovered Jesus completely healed. That June, my dad gave his heart to God, quit smoking 40 years. That day gave his heart to Jesus, no taste of nicotine. God just, I mean, I came in, a lot of people come in because your parents came in. I came in because of a miracle. That's how I came in. And God still brings people. And this generation needs a miracle. We, the church is backing up. We're backpedaling right and left. We don't want to interact with culture. We're afraid to say certain things. God, give us boldness. God, give us boldness to speak his word in truth today. I'm not talking running people over and getting mad and throwing things and laying down in abortion lines. I, you know, I, I, that's another story for another time. But I'm talking about living the truth in front of people and not backing up because of our belief. Amen. Exodus 3, you got there? Anybody there? So we, we pastored a church in Orlando, and we started it to Disney and Universal executives. So because I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to a place. If you talk about culture, let's go get these people that are getting to our kids. 
because Disney's getting to our kids. I want to get the guys that's getting to our kids. So we went and the head of, the head of Animal Kingdom came to our church and got saved. The guy, if you've ever been there, all the, not one of the engineers, he designs all the rides. John Mitchell came and accepted Christ. We had an incredible time there leading Disney executives, but it's the first time in my life, Pastor. And you know what this is like. So I grew up old school. So I walk into church. And our first service, we had about 80 there. Everybody's in shorts, and I'm going, are we in the will of God? You know what I mean? I, I, you know, we, we don't wear shorts at youth camp unless you're playing basketball. So we walked in, went in, and went, what's going on? They're all going to work. I had to get used to everybody coming to church in shorts. It was the weirdest thing ever. I thought it was beach ministry or something. You know, it's kind of weird. But so at that church, I would say, turn to this passage and read it. And then I'd hear this after I read they just didn't know where it was. And I did not did not, it was such a new church, I did not want to put it on the board because I wanted them to learn how to turn in their Bibles to get it. I wanted them to, I wanted them to get it. So in Exodus 3, you talked about Moses at the burning bush, the I am moment. Uh, Moses is at the burning bush. And God says something here. It's very interesting. Don't ever think that God doesn't hear you. Don't ever think that you are praying amiss or praying to a God that's deaf or praying to a God that can't hear. Because our God hears. Our God answers. Our God is a God that hears desperate prayers. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Hearing desperate prayers. Exodus 3 says this. Mm. Says this in verse 5. Talking to Moses. Don't, don't come any closer, God told him. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Then he said, here you go. Look at you. Is, what's, what, Harold, what's the name? Harold, I see the hand. You can come front now, sir. The altar is open. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, thank you, guys. Making it look good. It might not be the same. Is it, what is this, NIV? What are you showing? Oh, it's, pardon me. Okay, I'm, I'm reading out of the uh, New Living Translation. Uh, not much will change. There's, well, we can talk about versions another day. But it says this. Do not come any closer. God told him, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he hid his face in his hands because he's afraid to look at God. Verse 7, where I want to stay a little bit. Then the Lord told him, you can be sure. Mm, that nice you can be sure. I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Seventy years, guys. Seven years. Seventy people came with Jacob and his family. Joseph stationed in Egypt to rescue a nation. It had been a long time. They had all died. The people of Israel had grown from 70 to a massive nation. Intimidating Pharaoh. Put them basically in labor camps. God's people are common labors. That's what's happening here. And he says this, he said, I have seen the misery in Egypt. I have heard their cries for deliverance from their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of them suffering. So I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own good and spacious land. The word there for cries, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I do know some. Is screaming. God heard their peril. Go with me over to Mark 5. Let's go to the New Testament for an illustration of this. It's the healing chapter. Matthew 8 the healing chapter of Matthew and his gospel. Mark 5. I'm sorry guys. I need it because you're showing this. I, pardon me. In verse, 20, in, uh, verse um, 21. Sorry. So Jesus has just healed the de- d- demon cutting himself with stones, he calls out, puts the demons into the pigs. Remember in scripture, every act of God is redemptive. Every act of God. He says this. After he goes to the other side of the lake, a crowd presses him. A synagogue ruler presses through the crowd. Jairus. Synagogue rulers are... They're not priests. They're not scribes. Remember, they're over the administrative part of the synagogue. Also, they might. Now, different synagogues had different rules. So if you'll 
in the Luke passage where Jesus stands up and reads the scroll in Isaiah, there was probably, now Jesus is of age, so he's allowed to read the scroll at that time. That was a common synagogue for him because he's from Nazareth, so he's in there. But there probably was a Jewish ruler that gave Jesus the right to read the scroll that day. Usually that happens. So a synagogue ruler is a pretty important person in that they set the administration for the synagogue, take care of the synagogue, and set the ground rules for worship. They might, there might be a rabbi over that, but he invites the people to read. So a synagogue ruler is a very important person. Runs to Jesus. Let's pick it up in verse 21. When Jesus went back across to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. A leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, came and fell before him, pleading with him to heal his little daughter. She's about to die, he said, in desperation. Please come and place your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. God, this morning, I'm not talking about a normal prayer. This message isn't for everyone here. I know that. But this morning I'm talking about God puts us in a desperate place. And all we can cry out and say is, oh, God, help me. I pray this morning for those in desperation because God, meet their need. Meet them where they are. Come visit us, Father. We've seen you in worship. You've gathered in our place. We feel your presence. Bless your word. Not only the reading of it, the preaching of it. May it be applicable to our life. God, bless us today as we in turn with our lives bless you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. It's easy to look at these two instances of the people crying in Israel and Jairus crying for his daughter. My contention is a desperate prayer is not a normal prayer. You're not praying over your food at Thanksgiving. (laughs) Maybe some of your meals were that desperate. I don't know, but I'm saying ours is pretty good. So. It's not a baby dedication, although those are necessary. We see that in Samuel. We see that as an evidence of scriptural pattern that we need to obey in the church is the dedication of children. Didn't say the baptism of children, but the dedication of children. This is not a regular petition given by God. And everything give thanks with supplication. Let your thanksgiving be made known to God. Paul talks about that in Philippians So we need to be careful. I I don't believe this is a regular petition. I don't believe it's one of the feast celebrations or like a dedication to the temple of Solomon. I don't. When I see the desperate prayer, this pattern in scripture, even though communion, we should pray over communion. It is a wonderful celebration. It was a time of celebration. Jesus instituted that. We should do that in remembrance of his office, he will, until he, what did we say today, returns because he's coming back. I think the church has forgot that message and we need to keep preaching that message. Amen. Jesus is coming back. Don't forget it. Don't let that lie dormant in your Bible reading or in your prayers. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, was a constant prayer of the early church. You can't look in scripture and ignore that they did not continually say that. The first thing I see in the pattern of desperate prayer is humility. The children of Israel are broken. Jairus is broken for his daughter. In a world that sticks its chest out and says, I don't need God. We need a church that gets on its knees and listens to Matthew. The greatest sermon that's ever been preached is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. What is the first thing he said? Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because the beginning of the kingdom is humility and being in poverty, broken Broken before God saying, I need you. That's what the basics of the kingdom. You will never come into the kingdom chest out saying God needs me. God doesn't need you. You need him. We need him. In humility, we come before the king and say, I need you. That is why the greatest message that's ever preached, the foundation of that message, Jesus is saying, those that are greatest in the children also, you'll see him back that up when the children come to him. The greatest in the kingdom are those that come to me as what? A little child. Humble. Sincere. With great faith. So I see a a ruler of the synagogue humbling himself. The greatest nation in the world that's God's nation saying, we might be God's nation, but we need you now. We are in slavery. We're in bondage. And we need you now. 
it's a humble approach. Secondly, it's a sincere, specific ask. So when I see this, the people of Israel ask, we need deliverance. We need to get out of this chains. We need to stop laboring. God delivers. He did. He sent the great Moses, who wasn't that great of a speaker, but God fixed his mouth. But so he sends the great Moses and Jairus. Let me just comment here. Jesus said, I'll come. And on his way, what happens in that story? He meets the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years, issue of blood, touches his garment. She's healed. The daughter was how old? Twelve. Isn't that amazing? Twelve years, twelve. So Jesus, on his way to meet a desperate cry, stops for another desperate cry. Let me tell you something about prayer. It's not on your timing. It's not when you want it. I caught myself two weeks ago. I'm at Panera again. I don't live there. I just go there, okay? So I'm at Panera again. Yeah, it's my sanctuary. So uh, I do share Christ with people there too. Um, so um, I'm at the microwave, and I actually said this. Come on. I'm talking to the microwave, wanting it to hurry my minute that I heat my coffee. Because it's, it's not, you, know, you go to Starbucks, my daughter loves that. I just don't love the price. But, so she goes to Starbucks, and I do the sip club. So what she does sometimes, hey, Dad, you know, I said, they don't care, Liz, if you go up. She said, I'm going to go up and use your number. You're going to what? And I said, the one young man, Jose, it doesn't matter. Your family can use the number. You just have to do it every two hours. So I'll go, there are times I'll go up and get my coffee. And she said, sir, that's just been used. Pardon me? I'll call my daughter. Oh, dad, I got a coffee. I didn't tell you. Tell me, please. So, uh, so I'm telling the microwave, come on. Is that how we do prayer sometimes? We pray. And even though, even though we're, we're, we're older in our faith sometimes, I've been serving the Lord since I was 13. I've been preaching for 50 years. I've been doing this. Love every minute of it. God's call is a great call, man. I tell you what, when you're in the window and the center of God's call, it, regardless of what the tornadoes that's happening around you, the storms, you can feel at peace in God, the center of God's call. It's an amazing thing. God help us all to be in our gift for him. So I'm there hurrying it and I'm thinking, is that, my mind went to Second Chronicles 16 where it says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those who are, strong on his behalf. You know what strength is? Strength is doing something for a long period of time. That is a true definition of strength. What I'm saying in your prayer, I know it seems like it was instant here. The children of Israel cried a while before God got to them. Jairus' daughter was sick. And when he got back, she was dead. That's why when Jesus is healing them, one man came to him from his house and said, Don't worry about it, Jairus. Don't worry about it anymore. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus said, I'm, I'm coming. Remember that? I'm coming. They thought, don't even bother. So what had happened, the professional mourners were already at Jairus' house. It, said the, it says in the Mishra, the poorest, the poorest Jewish person would always have at least one flute and one mourner. The poorest. So these are professional mourners that they pay. So they had people fluting, people that were wailing. They were professional. They, they know how to mourn. So he had already had them there. Jesus walks in the room, of course, with Peter, James, and John. The first time he selects those three, other two times, Transfiguration and Garden of Gethsemane. So these are his three men that now he's choosing. The closest to him, he takes them in full of faith. Everybody goes. The mourners, all you people of not of faith. I'll tell you what. You, I, you would be hard-pressed to find a time in the Bible where the faith of the parents and healing don't interact. You usually see that in Scripture where the faith of the child is not the key because the parent is the guardian. It's the faith of the parent that usually with Jesus brings the healing to the child. It's just the scriptural pattern that you see. So Jesus comes and because there is a specific ask, I believe when you pray, be sincere, but I also believe ask 
God specifically. If you need $500 and you really need to get your air conditioning fixed, God, I know it's a need. I don't mean to be selfish, but would you provide the $500 for our air conditioning? Don't whim around. Don't beat around the bush. Be specific because we deal with a God that's specific that picked a tribe, Israel. He worked through that tribe. We are grafted in 12 tribes of Israel. Just go through how specific. God cares about numbers so much. He called a book called Numbers. I mean, God cares about the specifics. Read the tabernacle. Look how specific God was in every single detail of grafting that and shaping that. Be specific with God in your prayer. He doesn't mind. I talked to him this morning. Okay? He doesn't mind. God wants us to feel that we are not only close to him, but he is Abba Father. And he can talk to us. He can relate to us. We can have conversations with him in the car with our eyes open. But he wants us to he wants us to have conversation with him. That's why Paul says be instant in season, out of season. We can pray. Pray about all things at all times. Be in a be in a mode of prayer. It's not bad. Be in a mode of prayer. There are times that you are out that God uses you to pray for somebody and you don't even know what your unseen prayer is doing in the spirit world. But when desperate prayers Don't get back to you immediately. Remember, keep on asking. Matthew 7, keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking and the door will be open to you. I think the last ingredient is this. That we completely trust God for the outcome. Let, let Let me say this to you. The hardest thing to do in the Christian faith is trust God. I... I know nothing harder. Now, my favorite passage for years was Ephesians 5.10 out of the NIV Bible. Find out what pleases God. And this is one minister that worked to please God. But I got in my 30s, and I wasn't tired. (laughs) But I realized that I couldn't work for God's grace. All I could do would not please God because God's grace is his free gift His mercy is his love to me. Trusting God is the hardest thing because I think at times we want to please God and we want to work and we want to do that. You can't work for God's grace. We must trust him for his grace and his outcomes. That's the Christian walk. As we walk with God, he reveals himself to us. But we need to to have that walk going in the way that we will say this to God. God, I know the outcome is yours. I'm going to hold your hand through this, even though it's difficult, even though I can't see the outcome. I'm going to trust you just because you can't see him move doesn't mean his hand isn't active. You see it. You know, I was reading this morning the passage in Second Kings six where Elijah, Elijah is in the battle. And in 17, God opens up his servant's eyes and he goes, if you could see. Just for a minute, look at me. If you could see what God is doing for you in his activity to protect you, to help you, to give you grace, to provide for your life. If he could open your eyes up the spirit. Well, you know, every, everywhere you go now, you see what, an Amazon truck? You have no idea how many angels are in activity for you. You have no idea how the spirit world, if God opened up our eyes, Amazon pales in comparison to God's activity. It seems like they're on every street, delivering everywhere. And so is God. God is delivering everywhere, every time for you. And instead, trust him that he'll make the difference and do what he says he'll do. He did it to Iris. He walks down. Jesus comes in that room and speaks to his daughter. His daughter rises from the dead. God sends Moses to deliver the children of Israel. He's a God that shows up and completes the work. Amen? Amen? God hears our desperate cry. God is always moving. God is great. God is unchanging. God is ferocious. In his attempt to get to us, the activity of God will not stop. I uh, I remember that prayer I prayed that Thanksgiving morning, that morning around Thanksgiving. And I remember what God did. Uh, my mother was terminally ill. I remember I took her to church that April night. I got 
I got uh, saved April 22nd, 1973. I never forgot that night. The next week, 29th, I took my mom. And the pastor said, is somebody sick here? I think we need to pray for her. My mom walked up. Two people came up and laid hands on her. She was completely healed, went to the doctor. The doctor said, I've never seen a miracle like this. She said it was God. And the doctor said, what? It was God. My dad, three months later, came. The reason I'm saying that this morning, I don't want to give you a glaring look into my life like that. I'm, I'm proud of where God has taken my wife and I in our years. But I want to say this to you this morning. I'm going to close a little different this morning. I really feel directed this way. A lot of people say that, and God didn't direct them anywhere. But there are two things I want to pray with you about. I want you to stand when I ask you. No, excuse me. I want you to stand when I ask you. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm glad you're standing, and I'm standing with you. I remember the, one of the first weddings I ever did. Uh, Wendy was in the back, and she was going, I'm going, what? And then she went, so I had the people stand for the whole wedding. I never told them to be seated. That's a long wedding. They're still married, by the way. They're a good couple. Uh, if you have an illness or know of someone that is ill and there is no way out but prayer, I want you to stand right now. If you know someone that's terminally ill and there's no way out or you are, I want you to stand this morning. Or, or ill, that's okay, you, that's, that's fine, ma'am, that's fine. I know I told you to stand and sit back down, but I won't do it again, okay, I promise. Um, I'm going to do something very unique this morning. Um, I'm going to have, I, understand this, this isn't my first church to preach in. I've done this before, and you know what, I, Wendy's seen me, and I went out in a car and just wept, because I know the church wasn't healthy. Churches give off a scent. Believe me, folks, I've been in thousands of them, not hundreds. Um, I would like someone to stand with each one of these people in prayer. Someone represent them. Someone stand with Joe. Just stand up and go represent them in prayer. Thank you, Pastor. Wendy, go, go stand, stand with one of these ladies back here, okay? In the back. I think her husband's standing by her. Over here, honey, too. Did, were you standing today, hon? Okay, would someone stand with her, please, over here? Thank you. We need each other, folks. The kingdom of God is not just about you. God, the, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, there is communion in what we do. We pray for each other because there's power when we pray together. There's power when we join together. There's power in prayer. Father, this morning, I thank you that you're God. There is no one like you or beside you. You are I am. This morning, I don't know if it's sickness. I don't know if it's illness. I don't know if it's cancer. I don't know what it is, but you are God. And we pray this morning in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you bring healing, that you bring your touch, that you bring your power, God. I've seen my mother shrivel up and die of cancer. I've seen Alzheimer's destroy lives. I've held hands of people in the hospital that were in their last breath. But this morning, we pray a desperate prayer, God, in Jesus' name, and by the power of God, would you bring healing today, God. You are our healer. Come today. Be there. Give us a miracle, God. We still believe that you walk among us and you heal us and you touch us and you make us well and you give us purpose. And it's in Jesus' name that we believe God's power is going to come here. And just like the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus healed her. Just like Jairus' daughter, he walked in that room and said, Daughter, arise! Do your work, God, by faith in Jesus' name. Do your work. Heal, God. Make us well. We believe you for this, God. We believe you for this, Jesus. Give us a miracle, God. Our desperate cry may be heard by a father that hears the cries and answers them for his people. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name.
We will hear testimony of this. I believe we will hear testimony about what God's doing. Because sometimes God heals. Don't be like the nine that walked away. Be the one that returned that said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's another thing I want to do this morning. I don't mean to interrupt your prayer. I want you to come up front and stand if this is the case. Wendy, I want you to represent Clint, my son. Uh, My son's, uh, you know, he's wavering in his faith a little. He's 30s now. I love my son. I don't want to get too emotional here. We love our children, don't we? We want God's best for him. And I... uh, I felt two things this morning very strongly, and you confirmed that to the Sunday school class. I felt like we needed to pray for healing, and I believe God's our healer. I will, because of what God did for me and healed me tuberculosis when I was young, when I was 13. I didn't go into that part of the story, but I believe God's a healer. I will never, ever, ever, ever stop praying that God heals people. Because I, I have seen it on college campuses. I've literally seen blind eyes open on college campuses, folks. I've seen, you just, I've seen. There might be someone with an argument, but buddy, I've seen with my own eyes the miracle hand of God. Uh, number two, if you're, if you're someone in your family that is away from God, I believe this is a season, I, I don't know how to put it, that God is going to call sons and daughters home. I just, I feel that in my heart. I prayed that for the last few months. If you're someone in your immediate family just is away from God, would you come up here and stand? I want to pray for you. I really want to pray for you today that God would bring them home. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. It's so... uh, it's so delightful when our family knows the Lord. And, and I mean, you know, there's a, there's a peace that we walk through. And when they don't, there's that numbing. It just claws at you. It just seems like it, it pecks at you. And the enemy uses that too. What did you do wrong? That's your son, you know. You're a man of faith. How could, you know, and, and it's just, it, it, the enemy tries to beat you down. But I believe God is a God that builds bridges. He doesn't have gasoline. You got two ga- you two buckets as a person. You got gasoline and water. I believe God doesn't throw gasoline and burn bridges. He builds bridges of grace so we can walk over. Amen. Father, today is your day. It's the only day we have. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, for these families, God. And my heart is broken because I really know. I pray today that somehow God gives them a miracle, gives them a word. Jesus, bring sons and daughters home. Bring aunts home. Bring fathers and sons home. Bring mothers and daughters home. God, I pray for a, for a deluge of salvation that God becomes the bridge builder that people walk over to grace that in this church not only is it called grace but we see grace and hope given to people that God we see with our own eyes our family members surrender to Jesus and use their gift and find purpose I'm not talking about a deathbed confession I'm talking about they serve God valiantly they give God one Wonderful years of their life. This is not the end, but it's the beginning of a salvation experience in the kingdom. Do your work, God. Don't let us, if you want to choose us to speak, let us speak. If you want us to be silent, we will be. But God, send a bridge today. Send a bridge, send a miracle, and may we see our family members saved in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Send salvation because salvation is of Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. May they find that. May sons and daughters that have been away from God come back home. Thank you, Jesus. Bring them home. I'm going to key. God, in Jesus' name, bring them home, Father. Bring them home, Lord. Bring them home, Jesus. Bring our sons and daughters home today. We believe you. Times we pray, God, sometimes we forget that you really do hear. You really do answer. You really, in our desperation, God, hear us. It might not be on our timetable. 
God is seldom early, never late. God be that God today in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. Thank you. Praise God. Pastor, did you want to come? Excuse me. Thank you, folks, for listening to the word today. Good job. Oh, thank you, Joe. This is on or not, so, uh, but I don't think I need it. Would, would, you, uh, would you stand to your feet once again? Uh, I know we love to do this. I, I wanted to wait till you got set down before I asked you to stand again. I just believe the Lord's worthy of some celebration here today, and I'm telling you, I have sensed Him moving. I have felt Him in my heart. What a great word today. But if we could just find a moment here in, in this church and... I think we'll still let you out before the restaurant rush hour. But how about we just lift our hands and, and tell the Lord thank you. However this feels comfortable to you. He's so worthy. He has worked here today. Uh, I, I agree with, uh, with Pastor today that the, the testimonies are coming your way. We're going to stand here rejoicing. So let's do that in advance today. Let's go ahead and thank the Lord for what He's doing and what He's done today, where He's moved, where He's touched, and what He's done. We want to celebrate the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated because I want to get you back up in a minute again. So. <laughs> we, we, I wanted to take opportunity if there are, are any uh, uh, announcements that need to be made. I know Lisa had said something as we were starting about decoration. Was that tomorrow night? What? Oh, you got it covered then. Is there anything that needs to be shared for the general church here this morning then? Thanks, Sister Lisa. Now, I know I've been here enough Sundays now to know that you guys aren't in a hurry to leave this building anyway. So I do want to encourage you to come by and introduce yourself to Bill and Wendy. We are so thankful the Lord brought them to us here today. What a great Sunday. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to close our morning here in prayer. We are grateful, Lord, for you. Um, We have truly sensed you here today. And Lord, I just pray now that as we prepare to leave this building, that your word will stay with us. That all all week long, Lord, we'll meditate, think, and pray on what we've heard today. We'll direct our prayers to the miracles of the needs of healing in our families and in our church. We'll remember uh, our prayers and our thoughts today to bring home our sons and daughters. We believe you, Lord. We thank you again for this morning and for these moments. And we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Uh, We'll see you on Wednesday.